as a child growing up in the church and even young in my faith, I didn't understand the difference between sin and temptation. I thought sin and and temptation were the same thing. So when I would hear people, let it be a preacher, teacher, um, whatever title, say that you can live a life without sin. My thought process was, well, how are we going to live a life without sin? But truly, I was thinking, how do we live a life without temptation? Now, the thing is, we will always face some form of temptation, even if your temptation is no longer what it used to be. Let's say your temptation used to be smoking a cigarette, or maybe your temptation was um, fighting somebody on a consistent basis. And you're just like, that's not even my thing anymore. But there's still something that we face on a day-to-day basis that is trying to draw us away from the fullness and the love of God. But how do we make sure that we are combating temptation according to the strategy that Jesus used. The best way for us to understand that is to look at what Jesus did when he came off his 40-day fast. A lot of us know that parable, but I would like for us to take time in this four-part series just to dive in a little bit deeper about what each temptation meant How did Jesus respond and how we can take the same example that Jesus is and what he did and who he lives and what he lives in us, how we can take that and allow that to be our strength so that we can truly say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Let's talk. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Thank you once again for coming back to this podcast, Conquer Me Podcast. I am Jennifer Jefferson and I am so blessed. I am so grateful. I am honored to be here speaking with you. I do not take these moments for granted. All of these moments, I just say, God, I thank you. What's interesting is my heart position and where my mind is today. When the Lord first told me to start this podcast, I heard the name conquering me so clearly. And it's the mission of the podcast for is basic, it's simple. It is for us to enjoy, to discover and have and experience this relationship with Christ, but understanding that we're developing, right? Understanding that it's a constant thing. So this is why I say here on on this podcast, we talk about the joys of developing a personal relationship with Christ. That's literally the mission. The mission is for us to understand it does not matter what we go through. I still can have the joy of the Lord. And in the process, God, I thank you for giving me a whole new revelation of who you are, your heart posture, how to move, how to walk in faith, how to lean on your wisdom, how to grow in your um, in, in your kingdom, how to bring your kingdom down here on earth as it is in heaven. All of these things. I am grateful. So when the Lord first gave this to me, of course, I was extremely nervous. You know, I was, I didn't know what to say, how to say it. God, is it going to be impactful? Will, will anybody really listen? And then I thought was, then my main thought was, okay, is what I'm saying biblically correct? And because I'm really, really, really big on 
when we speak about the word of God and we speak about Christ himself, reflect the scripture and have a life to be centered around Christ. Christ is truly the example. And I know a lot of times we quote a lot of other people within the Bible. And I'm not saying that is a good thing or am I saying it's a bad thing? At the end of the day, we need to quote the Bible, period. But the prayer is and the hope uh, is that we all are living a life that is very reflectant of Christ. Because truthfully, everything from beginning to end, there was something that was mimicking or representing or pointing towards Christ. He is the only one that died for me. Only one that died for you. Only one, period. I was having this conversation with the Lord. It was like a, a few weeks. I was just asking God a bunch of questions between God, give me understanding about all these different faiths. Like Jesus, I know that Jesus is real, but what is it that caused other people to believe in other religions, beliefs, and all these other t- types of stuff? So it's a, it's a lot of things. But I said, but God, what's the differentiating factor? And the Lord asked me some one simple question. Who do you know of that willfully died for other people and that came back with all power? And it was just like, it was so simple. It was obvious, right? I should know this. But sometimes, and I'm saying this, thank you, Holy Ghost. I'm saying this because believers are being sucked into adding things to our faith or adding other practices to our faith. And what's happening is we don't realize it, but the heart posture is that Jesus is not enough. I have to take on this practice of these people, of this faith, of this religion, of what uh, this group of people have done for centuries and centuries. I'm not here to um, bash or or dismiss or whatever those other faiths. But I'm saying we know and I know that there is only one true living God. He is the only one that sacrificed himself for us. He is the only one that said, I am going to lay down my life so that you can have life. You can have eternal life. You can have peace. You can have joy. So I'm saying that for us to be aware of what is happening. We are allowing too many things to enter into our spirit, our mental space, our emotional space. And we wonder why it's so chaotic. I just implore us to lean on Christ like never before. Really learn of his spirit, learn of his ways and his strategies. And this is what we're going to do in this four-part series. In this four-part series, we're talking about the son without sin. We're going to talk about the temptations that Jesus faced. How did he do it? How did he combat? Because some of the things that You know, when things are coming our way, we are decreeing and declaring, which is beautiful and it's biblical. But are we doing it in a way that mimics the way Jesus did, if that makes sense? And hopefully by the end of it, this podcast, and especially the four part of it, we will definitely walk into it. So I want us to go into Matthew uh, 4, 1 through 4. So Matthew 4, 1 through 4 says this. Then Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after 
fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came in and said to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds that comes from the mouth of God. And I'm reading from the uh, English standard version. I was about to quote the King, the King James version, every word that proceedeth out the mouth of God. But so that's Matthew four, one through four. And so what I love is as I was reading this, I thought to myself, why was Jesus led to the wilderness? Like, look, I want to say that's what it starts off with. Verse one says, then Jesus was led up by the spirit, the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Pause. So you're telling me he started this journey off with understanding. With some inkling, with some form of idea, I'm about to be led into this wilderness to be tempted by the devil and I have to eat and get it, give up all pleasures, all good things for 40 days. And yet I'm going to be tempted. And at first, my first thought was, God, why did you make him do this? Why did you lead him there? And so as I was studying, I came across some really, really great commentaries. You guys know that I love to use enduring word commentary. There's a lot of commentaries that I like to d dig into just to gain a deeper understanding. And so around this time when Jesus was led into the wilderness before this, he was baptized by John the Baptist. And for those who do not know, John the Baptist uh, was charged to prepare the way for Jesus. He was basically preaching and baptizing people and preparing for the Messiah. And then here comes Jesus telling John, hey, baptize me and let's go, right? John did not feel, some people say John did not feel worthy enough to baptize Jesus. Some other people say that re the reason why John did not want Jesus to be baptized is because Jesus was gonna be looked at as a sinner. And he knew that Jesus was not a sinner. So, it was how Jesus, why would you do this? But Jesus purposely said, I am going to become like them. He didn't care about image. He didn't care about what other people had to say or what they thought. He was caring about the mission of his father and obtaining glory from his father so that we could enter into the kingdom of heaven. That is why Jesus did all this stuff. So I just want to give a little background. So he already sacrificed in some form or fashion by being baptized publicly. So now he is being led to the wilderness to be sacrificed some more. Now, see, we, we keep talking about now. Here's the thing. We thank God for the cross. So what I'm saying, I don't ever want anybody to feel like I'm dismissing the cross. Because, honey, the cross was huge. There's no other way. But have we ever thought about the humanity and how many sacrifices Jesus gave before the cross? Before the cross, how he sacrificed, how he submitted to earthly people, earthly authority. He left all of the goodness, 
all of everything, the power and everything that was great and beautiful in heaven to walk the earth, to take on fleshly life so that he can understand what it was like so he can be more compassionate. This is why we have to be compassionate because Jesus took on humanity to understand us. So he was led into the wilderness to go through a stream. Some, some commentaries and some, um, the only just says this, but it says it's an enduring word commentary. It says that after Jesus identified with sinners in baptism, Jesus then identified with them again in severe temptation. Jesus was sent to the wilderness with no food, no drink, no nothing to be tempted in the most severe way that all humans in some form or fashion can relate to. Even if you have never had a long fast, even if you've never um, done a no water fast, some people have done a Daniel fast. And for a lot of people, that is a huge sacrifice. But even if you've done a no water fast or only water fast, even if you just got a half a day with no food, folks get really testy with no food. People get real funny. They, they need to have something to eat. Their attitude change. They start falling apart. They start crying. They're super emotional, whatever the case is. But Jesus himself said, no, I am going to sacrifice and take on severe temptation, severe temptation so that he can understand us better. What? So this is why we can quote. Hebrews 4 and 15, what it says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to emphasize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. He did not sin. That was Hebrews 4 and 15. We have a high priest who is able to emphasize and understand our weaknesses. Jesus literally was tempted in every way. What a humbling thought that he left all of his glory, all of his power, all of this stuff. And I don't want to say stuff like it's just to demean it, but you all understand. To really say, you know what, I'm going to come down there. And we can have such a, a deeper appreciation when it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. God says, son, I need you to go down there to restore our creation back into his rightful place. So when he went up there to be tempted, it was to let us know that even in the weakest moment that we can defeat the enemy that we can combat the enemy. We don't have to fall into temptation, which leads to death. We don't have to. And in those moments where we feel like we are so overwhelmed by a temptation, we are so overwhelmed by what is going on and we feel like, God, I don't have any strength. I want you to think about 1 Peter 5 and 6 through 7. It says, humble yourself. Therefore, under God's almighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time, 
Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. The King James Version says, casting all of your cares upon him for he cares on you. Here's the thing. The reason why I love the King James Version in this one, particularly because it says casting. That means it's a continuous thing of me casting, me constantly giving things over to God. But before that, I have to make sure I humble myself under the mighty hand of God. What is the hand of God? The hand of the God of God is provision. It is covering. It is protection. It is lifting. It literally says that he may lift you up in due season. God, I know that you will not put anything on me more than what I can bear. But in order for me to humble myself, in order for me to submit myself under the hand of God, I really have to see him and see him in all of his glory, see his provision, see how he can be my healer, see how he can really be my one and only. Jesus went into the wilderness to go through extreme temptation so that he can prove that there is always a way of escape. There is nothing that we will not face or have not gone through that Jesus himself did not endure. The enemy's job is to have us to rely on everything except for Christ himself. Everything. And I think, and and I'm going to say this as someone who was, um, Raised in the church and, you know, my whole family, not just only churchgoers, but really are just hands down believers. They they studied the word of God. They prayed, you know, they really uh, lived their life of according to scripture. And as a kid growing up in it, a lot of times you feel like, ah, that's just my family being super spiritual. When they tell you, hey, don't pick up that thing. Hey, watch what you watch, what you read. Watch what you watch, watch who you listen to, watch this, watch that, right? And so a lot of it, I just thought, ah, they're just being super spiritual, being too deep. Everything is over the top, right? But of course, as you grow in the Lord, you learn and God begins to open your eyes more and more and more and more. You begin to open your eyes to the kingdoms of the enemy that is here on earth, And that's one of the uh, the temptations that we will discuss in this series about how that's how Jesus was tempted. Well, the enemy used the kingdoms to come for Jesus. You will see that and you will see how, you know what? There are so many ways where I can rely on everything. This is why I can't listen to everybody and and follow everybody and do this and whatever like that. Because all of these things, if it's not pointing me towards Christ, Who is it pointing me towards? Is it pointing me towards my trauma, my pain, my anxiety, my depression? Is it feeding those things, right? Am I relying too much on my talent, my degrees, my success? Is it, am I relying too much on all these things? And once, once again, I've said it all the time, these things are resources, but it's not the source. Have I relied on all of these things and not realize that truly Jesus is the ultimate answer in all things all things so when Jesus went to the mountain to be tempted he was saying I need you to see that I purposely went through this for you I decided that I am going to forego 
all of this and take on extreme pain, extreme hunger, whatever thoughts go in your mind when you don't have food, who knows what that wilderness was looking like. Because for me, I'm sitting there thinking, okay, he was led to a physical wilderness, but also what was the mental wilderness? That darkness, what's going to happen? When is the enemy going to come? I know he's already defeated. I know I already got him, but you got to remember he laid down his his divine power on earth and you, he relied on the Holy Spirit. That's why it says the spirit led him. He relied on the Holy Spirit as his guide. This is why when Jesus died, he said, I'm sending you someone. He sent us the Holy Spirit so that we can say, Holy Spirit, guide us in this. He is that perfect example. Matthew 4, 3 says this. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Let me tell you this one thing about the enemy. He knows how to play us. He knows how to play us. He knows how to use words. He knows what your weakness is. In this moment, Jesus was without food for 40 days. He wasn't trying to tempt him with no woman, <laughs> no bag of money. The first thing he said, let me, let me get him where I know he's weak. Let me get him where I know he is suffering. So I want us to understand this, the enemy. And I've said this, I remember having this conversation with my mom and I said, you know what? The enemy is far more patient than what we realize. The enemy will sit back and watch us and say, okay, let me see how I can tempt her to make her go down this path. And then she remains in this cycle and then she will never see that God is who he is, right? There's always something in there. James 1, 13 through 15 says, when tempted, no one should say God is tempting me for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. Verse 14 says, but each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and entice. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin and sin when it is full grown gives birth to death. This is why Jesus said what he said in verse four. In verse four, Jesus had to let him know, hey, we ain't doing this. Because whenever, once again, we're talking about the temptation and the son without sin. How do we truly live a sinless life? Number one, we need to understand that temptation will always be there. Why? Because the enemy's always going to be there. Why? Because he's always on his job. He ain't never going to sleep. So if you ever had this mentality that I had was like, Lord, I'll start moving when this gets better. I'll start moving when I'm done dealing with this. Please stop. Because you're going to stay in a vicious cycle. Temptation and, and some form of insecurity. And some of us, that is our temptation the ability to continue to feed our insecurity. So the enemy throws things uh, in our way to continue to feed our insecurities, to keep us in comfort, to keep us in excuses. Let it be valid ones or not. 
whatever it is, it's still an excuse on why you're not doing the things of God, why you're not moving in his capacity, his glory, his power, his authority, why you are not in that full blown fullness of love and joy and peace and happiness because you're being drawn away by the things of your flesh. And I asked the question, are you taking time to seek God and say, God, how do I do this? I feel like it's a constant attack on me. I want to let you know that it is. The enemy is not trying to let up off of you. I would hear the older saints say, if you don't hear the enemy or if the enemy's not bothering you, that means you're on your team. That means you're on his team. If you're praying in your word and doing what God has called you to do, please believe. Hands down. The attack is going to be real. The anxiety is going to try to be heightened. But you got to push. I have to, we have to press towards the mark of the high calling, which is in Christ Jesus. We have to press, press, press. We have to stay firm in our word. We have to stay firm in what he has said. The enemy himself tempted Jesus. And I want you to know he is a deceiver. He is a manipulator of words. Because that's what he did even in this. One thing when I was reading this, it said, if you be the son of God. Now he knew, he knew that Jesus was the son of God. But has any of us used that word if? If you love me, then you do this. If you blah, 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 blah. Whatever that if is. If you say you're going to do you, I've noticed that that word if is really a triggering word. If you say the word if you're use, you're really operating out of a place of manipulation. Hello. If you say if you're doing it to control the situation or the people. And if you respond, maybe you're like, well, I don't say the word if. But what if somebody said, well, if you so big and bad, won't you show me? And if you get up, you're operating out of pride and insecurities. Let me help us out on both coins. None of those things reflect God. What he did in this, he used something to try to trigger. Not only his hunger, but he was trying to trigger his pride. He was trying to say, let me see if Jesus is prideful. If you be the son of God. Now he knew. But Jesus did not fall into the trap. He didn't say, bro, you know, I'm the son of God. Let me turn this rock into some bread real quick to prove a point to you. But we do. We get caught up in that word. If those who use it and those who respond to it. And you're like, well, Jen, what are we supposed to do? We need to be. First of all, I need you to be aware. Aware of always this mindset of this. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. That is the scripture. But a spirit's principles, and um, I know I'm misquoting it, that I need to find it. But there's a scripture where it talks about we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but spirit, uh, principalities, powers, and weakness in high places. I believe I quoted that correctly. So once again, if you are combating something to where you feel like it's attack on your pride to make you move, and here's the truth, anytime we move out of pride and insecurity, or if you're moving out of manipulation, or you're just a, what people say, oh, you know, they just got good game, good game. You know, they know how to run their mouth. You're not operating in the heart of Christ. You're not. You're operating in flesh. 
if you love to make people do stuff off that word, if you like to be in control, you like to see if I can still handle this, if they can, if I can still run this, that is not the heart of God because at the end of it, he doesn't get the glory you do. So we have to be aware of the tactics of the enemy. First Peter five and eight says this, be alert and sober minded. Your enemy, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Looking for someone to devour. So you remember when I said that he is always on his game. I think we've become too relaxed in the faith where we are seeking the success and seeking certain things that are definitely blessings of God. But some way, somehow, the message has been turned to focus about us and not Christ himself. And I don't know, maybe it's me, maybe I'm just hearing it more, where it seems like, I don't know when that turn was, but I I definitely feel like as a kid, it was definitely that the mindset and the spirit was, hey, We got to repent because Jesus is soon to come. I don't hear that message as barely anymore, to be honest with you. And I'm not saying that we always got to say repent, repent, repent. But in there, there should always be a a drawing and a plucking or some type of conviction that makes us want to reflect and look at ourselves and say, God, look me over. Am I moving in the way that you have called me to? Am I responding the way that God is calling me to respond because see how Jesus did this in this moment when the enemy said to him in verse three, if you be the son of God, Jesus answered with scripture. He answered with scripture. Jesus said this. He said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. We cannot combat the enemy with just anything. Definitely with the name of Jesus. You can say I decree and I declare that my house is covered. Covered under what? Like I'm saying this because we have to start being clear. My house is covered under the blood of Jesus. Amen. Then my, my then suggestion is let's go a little further. Let's add scripture to it because it is the word of God that literally became flesh Christ so that we can become saved and that we can have power. It is the word of God that formed the very earth that we are standing on. It is the word of God that can keep our minds sound. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power, love and a sound mind. It is the word of God that keeps joy in our heart, that makes the joy of our salvation real. It is the word of God. So we have become this society of like affirmations and it's good. You know, affirm yourself. Please do. Please don't miss what I'm saying. Please don't. Lord, please don't. Feel like I got a bag. Baby, please, please. Don't miss what I'm saying. Never underestimate that Jesus is truly enough. The power of God is truly enough. Jesus literally went to the wilderness to sacrifice himself. 
before the cross, before the cross, the humanity of Jesus before the cross. And he said, I am going to put myself in the extreme conditions and prepare myself for temptation. Scientists are saying that, you know, whenever you fast for a long period of time, your blood pressure drops, you get cold. Of course, you lose weight. Um, you have you become dizzy. Some people have uh, insomnia. You can't sleep. You can't think. It's all of these things that are happening to you when you are without the necessary things that you need to survive as a human. So imagine being in that state for 40 days. It doesn't say that he took anything with him. It just said that he fasted. Didn't say he took a blanket with him. Didn't say he took some uh, carving tools to keep him occupied. None of that stuff. It just said he went to the wilderness to be tested. The spirit of the Lord led him there to be tested. And he was tested for our sake. So that we can truly say that I can do all things through Christ who has strengthened me. When temptation comes our way, I can say, wait a minute, Jesus, I'm feeling weakness. I don't know what to do. Oh, this is a, this is a sore spot right here. What do I do? And then I can think about the scripture when he says, my grace is sufficient. I have to lean on him. I have to yearn for him. I have to say, God, how do I do this? Ask the Holy Spirit to give you a scripture in the moment. Google it. The word of God is so powerful to the point where Jesus had to use it himself to combat the enemy. Do not ever underestimate the Bible. Do not underestimate its power. I know a lot of us, we know the power of, of the word of God and the power of Jesus from the things that we have experienced in our life and the things that maybe are, are the people before us has spoken over us, prayed over us. And I'm saying that because God has led me on this because we have gotten too comfortable with allowing crystals, sages and all these other things to become our source of healing and our source of truth. When we know that it is Jesus, our savior, our healer, the one who sacrificed, who willingly came down here on earth to be born of a virgin and to literally walk this earth for 33 years to deal with ministry, to deal with people lying on him, to deal with people turning on him. To deal with parents he had to obey when he did not want to obey. To deal with uh, the Pharisees who were stuck in the law and they weren't operating in his love. To sit there and forgive people, to heal people, all of these things. He did that before the cross. I want us to be encouraged and have that desire to study his life before the cross. And then look at what happened after, after the cross. Then that, God, how do we move as, as your disciples? How do we move so that your word can get out so people can know your name? How do I move so I can walk in your kindness and your compassion, right? So Jesus showed us a way of escape. In this first one, the enemy tried to hit him with pride. If you be the son, 
of God. And he tried to hit him with the immediate need. He knew he was hungry. He knew Jesus was hungry. It wasn't like Jesus wasn't hungry. He knew he was hungry. But Jesus said, I'm not going to submit to this pride battle because that's what the enemy was trying to do, trying to stir up his pride. He wasn't going to do that. He was not going to do that. So when you hear that word, if, or you use that word, if, if, if you be this, if you love me, if you so good at this, watch that. Flee from it. Any other form of pride that comes into your life. Any other form of pride that is trying to consume you. The pride of not asking for help. The pride of feeling like no one else understands. Or the pride of feeling I'm too good for this. Whatever it is, I ask that you ask the Lord to reveal the source of pride in your life. And say, you know what? God, and let me see the strategy of the enemy. Because we read the scripture says, be aware and sober minded. So God, allow me to be aware and sober minded because the enemy is walking around trying to seek people and seek me to devour. But I know I will not be devoured. I know that I am more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. I know that I have already won because of Christ Jesus. So Jesus combated, you say, Lord, Jesus combated the enemy with the word. So God, you give me the scriptures of what I need to do in this season. We need to study the word of God. Yes. But there are some times where God will have you to have hold on to certain scriptures that are going to be like your covering per se for that season. I pray you understand and I pray you gather something from this first part because we're going to break down every sin because every not sin, excuse me, every temptation, because every temptation represented something. Every temptation, this temptation that that the enemy hit Jesus with the first time was trying to it was a sin of pride. It was a temptation of pride. So we can literally combat pride and pride comes in a lot of forms. And I know that the Lord, because I've done some studying on it and actually taught some things on um, what pride looks like. And it comes in so many forms. And we'll have a discussion about that at a later time of the different forms of pride and understanding how it shows up in our life. But before we get to that point, I pray that you ask the Lord to reveal to you any source of pride in your life. Say, God, where does source look like? Where did it come from? Gave me an understanding. And God, I thank you for healing me from it and allow me to have scripture and understanding to put back in this place so that when I'm free from it, I put the word of God back in so that when the enemy does try to play in and come in later on in my life, I can say, nope, let me pull out this scripture real quick to combat you. I love you all so dearly. And if anyone does not know Christ, I want you to lift your hands and just say, Lord, I believe that you are the son of God. I believe that you died for me. You willingly went through temptation here on earth so that I may be saved and have everlasting life. I want you to be my savior. If you have said that and you believe that and you know that within your heart, what you said is true and that you are saved without a shadow of a doubt, you are saved, you are saved, you are saved. We are so excited that you are here. Please find a church home, a small group, something because you need your family, your new family to help you along the way and, I, and pray along the way on where to go. Don't go where comfort is, go where God is sending you. 
And for all of us, my prayer is that we begin to just seek God and say, God, I thank you for revealing the pride in my life. And know and have expectation that he has already given you a way of escape and he has already given you an answer. I love you all and I will speak to you next Friday.